Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is, is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That is how you hop aboard on this Friday night. NFL picks, guess the takes. We'll throw together a same-game parley with our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook coming up in about a half hour. And Tucker and I will try to guess game for game, time for time, next weekend in the playoffs. We tried to do this exactly last week. And I believe that was an 0 for 6. And the, the Steelers not getting in, I think, really threw the whole television thing off. That's just I'll just blame it on, on Joe Flacco. But either way, we'll try again in a little bit here. Right now, though, let's go out to the guest line and talk to Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated as we get set for Wild Card Weekend and get his thoughts on the Eagles as they have a week of rest here before playing next week in the division round. Connor, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Doing well, and uh, it's funny, Connor. We're doing well. We're waiting on the Eagles to play next week, but th- the bye week is actually just a week where everyone just gets nervous, and we have Jalen Hurts' shoulder now to be nervous about. What, what is your, your perception, your read on this? I mean, he got hurt against the Bears. He missed two games. He came back, and it was an intentional, I think, kind of scale-back game plan. They didn't ask him to run at all. He avoided contact. He got through it. And now we're wondering, can he be himself a week from now? What's your feeling on, on Hurts right now as we get ready for the playoffs? I think he can be himself, but I think even if he can't, the beauty of what the Eagles have designed for themselves is an offense that can really be anything on any given week, right? I mean, they've had success in 13 personnel just running the ball down people's throats. And I think, you know, just based on the competition that they'll face early in the uh, NFC playoff field, I think they will be able to do that, even if Jalen comes in and says something like, hey, you know, my shoulder's still banged up. You know, I can't go, you know, medium deep here. Um, And I I think that they've allowed themselves, they've built in the capability to be able to perform that way. So I I agree with you. And they've had games this year where they've run it a lot. He's run it a lot. Also games where he's been more just of a pocket passer, and they've won that way. But as the postseason goes along, Connor, let's say an NFC championship game against the Niners or a Super Bowl, my fear is if if they can't have everything in their bag of tricks, it will come back to get them. Like last week in a weird game against the Giants, they were one of five in the red zone, and I thought it was pretty it was pretty obvious the Giants knew he wasn't going to run, and if there was no threat of him running, they became easier to defend. As we go through this thing, do you think they need the full arsenal of Hurts to win a Super Bowl? Yes, yeah, because you know it's not only it, you know the zone read. And the RPROs, you know, that they run that not a lot of other teams can do. I mean, that's, that's the baseline for everything. Just the idea that he might leave the pocket is the baseline for that entire offense. And, you know, that's true of Jalen, but that's true of, I mean, I would say 60% of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, where if there's no threat of them leaving the pocket, they become incredibly painfully one dimensional. And I think, you know, the Eagles have done a great job of masking that to some degree, but you're right. I mean, if there is, you know, the draws that they've done this year have been artful. To the like, he, he runs those better than any quarterback of the NFL. If if that is out of your arsenal, I think you're in trouble. But maybe not until the NFC Championship game. Like Connor, yeah, and kind of let's talk about the other side of the ball. I'm, I'm curious your perspective, a national perspective on it. We here in Philadelphia, Jonathan Gannon is not the most liked coordinator, and I I think it's mostly because his style is more passive than aggressive he doesn't blitz and this is a town that once had Jim Johnson once had Buddy Ryan and he just he doesn't mesh with the fans here yet I Connor I look at the results I mean the results are they were number one in the NFL in yards per play allowed and they had 70 sacks this season what do you think about this Eagles defense as we enter the playoffs 
I think blitzing is, I mean, just look at the trend numbers, right? The Bengals last year made the Super Bowl, and I think they blitzed 10% of the time, which was the lowest figure in the NFL. The Ravens got rid of Don Martindale because, Wink Martindale because he was blitzing too much. And, the, you know, Ron Rivera said this at the Combine to me a couple of years ago. He's a 33% guy, um, 33% blitz rate. And I think he's of the old guard right now. Nobody is blitzing now because the only way to slow these quarterbacks down is to put a cap on the defense, right? You play too high and you let your four pass rushers get a shot at the quarterback. That's how all the, that's how every team is doing it right now. And I don't see that changing for the foreseeable future because if you blitz, you get gutted, and defensive coordinators don't want to get gutted. All right, let's get to the matchups this week, and I agree with you, Connor. It's, it's the way it's, – it's almost like we're, we're catching up to the rest of the NFL here, and I think Gannon's done a good job. Uh, let's go to tomorrow, Connor. We get a, a divisional matchup, the Niners and the Seahawks. Um, look, the Niners are really good, and I won't be surprised if, if they're here in a couple weeks for an NFC Championship game. Yet I, I, my antenna's always up when it's a rookie quarterback in the playoffs and, and one with very little experience, Brock Purdy. It's going to be rainy out there tomorrow. Any, any thought this game could be close, or do you think this is a, uh, a clear Niners day tomorrow? I don't know. I mean, they just looked like they were in completely different weight classes when they played a couple of weeks ago, and the Seahawks did get that late touchdown to make the score seem a little bit closer than it was. All that being said, right, Seattle does have some of the very basic components to make this game difficult if they wanted to. They have an aggressive uh, cover corner. They have a really good running game, and they have a quarterback who can run the offense. And, you know, I don't think that's going to be enough. You know, I have the 49ers going to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to just kind of walk through a lot of the NFC until they hit Philadelphia. But you never know. Like you said, Brock Purdy, in my mind, super experienced, four-year starter in college, makes up for some of the issues um, that a rookie is going to face. But you never know. I mean, weather and one bad snap, and all of a sudden I think the, the, the game changes. Tomorrow night should be a fun one in Jacksonville. Justin Herbert and the Chargers, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, um, those two quarterbacks that everyone seems to have fallen in love with over the past couple of years. Now they go head-to-head. I like the Chargers, but the Mike Williams injury obviously is a big blow to them and their chances to make a big run here. What do you think on this game? Uh, you know, Here in Philadelphia, we've seen Doug Peterson win as a playoff underdog many times. I took Jacksonville, and the only reason I did was because I was, I was really impressed with the win over the Titans because – that was one of Trevor Lawrence's worst games of the season. And not only did he miss wide open throws, but they had like kind of a double Philly special that went horribly awry and they fumbled on that one. They lost a boatload of turnovers in that game and they still find a, found a way to beat a really good head coach in Mike Frabel and Derrick Henry in a game where he was, you know, at least, you know, he got 100 yards. And so that's not an easy game to win. I think that they're just really young. They're athletic. They're one of those dynamic teams that you don't want to see in the playoffs if they're hot. And so that's one of those things where, you know, you kind of bet on Doug Peterson. You bet on the, uh, the experience he has. And I, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to play as bad as he did a week ago again. Unfortunately, Sunday afternoon, Tua can't go, and it sounds like Teddy Bridgewater can't go. So we're down to a third-string quarterback, and uh, that could end up as one of the biggest spreads we've ever seen in the in the postseason with the Bills as you know, like basically two touchdown favorites in that game. Uh, do you think there's any chance it's close? And and kind of, do you like the seven team that gets in the playoffs? I mean, it's the Seahawks, the NFC, it's the it's the Dolphins, and the AFC. Do you like this change they made? I did it first, and then I think what, the first year it was the uh, Mitch Trubisky Bears yes. in the Nickelodeon game, and I yes. said, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm, uh, I'm pretty good with the seventh seed. Uh, sometimes I do think it dilutes it, but 
I do think there's going to be that year where a team gets hot at the end of the season and gets rewarded for that. And I do think that we do need to make space for that because I do think you should be rewarded for playing well. Like I really would have liked to see the Steelers get in, right? I think that's a team that would have deserved a seventh seed this year. But to your point, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just think <laughs> – um, it, it might be a little bit of an overkill and, and a little bit of a saturation point because sometimes these teams just clearly aren't good enough. Yeah, well, and, and this Miami team right now certainly feels like it fits that bill. Yeah, it's, it's funny, Connor. In, in each conference, there felt like a team that fit that bill and they just didn't make it with tiebreakers, with the Steelers and the AFC. And I thought the Lions and the NFC, if they got in, would have been a fun story if they made it. I would have so much rather the Lions. Um, and, you know, I, I just thought the way that they played on Sunday – was really against the Packers was the way that they played all season. I mean, that is a team that, you know, just embodies their head coach. They're so much fun to watch. Their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, no one knew about him at the beginning of the season, but, you know, we were writing about this a little bit earlier in the year. I think he's the next Sean McVay. I think he's brilliant. I think he will get a head coaching job, but, man, I would have loved to have seen them try to run that back together with this team. I still think they're going to be very, very dangerous next year. We're talking to Connor Orr, Sports Illustrated. Connor, four o'clock on Sunday. Uh, it's it's a what well, should be a very close game. We just saw it on Christmas Eve, and it came down to a long field goal at the end. The Giants at the Vikings. Kind of, it's an interesting matchup. One, we just saw it. Two, uh, they both have negative point differentials, which almost never happens in the playoffs. And it does feel like the Giants are kind of becoming the popular pick. I keep seeing everyone picking the Giants. They could win. Minnesota also found a way to win 13 games somehow this year. What do you make of this matchup? It, it probably should be a close one. I, I don't know if the, I picked the Giants. I don't know if they have the, the depth in the secondary to handle Justin Jefferson consistently. That said, we don't really see a lot of teams that rely that predominantly on one wide receiver go deep into the playoffs historically. And I mean, those Vikings teams, right, are a great example of that some, uh, some previous years too. But um, I picked the Giants just because while they have a negative point differential, I do think that they're just so good at keeping games close enough, elongating drives, keeping their defense off the field for when they need to. And in the fourth quarter, you know, these games are always within five points, right? And it just seems like, the Giants have figured out a way to win in close quarters like that. So I like that matchup. And, you know, I don't know. I, I like that Brian Dable might have something tucked away for Saquon Barkley. I think we haven't seen all of what he can do this season. Sunday night, it would have been a great matchup if Lamar Jackson had been healthy enough to play. I mean, that, that's a marquee kind of game between division rivals with uh, different style quarterbacks. But he's not, and, and the Ravens are in a tough spot here. Connor, do you think this game will be close? I mean, that Ravens defense has been – Quite good. I just don't know how they score enough to beat Burrow. And, and what's your thought on the Lamar situation? There's, it seems like a lot of ominous stuff come out of Baltimore with quotes and things about what really might be going on. Yeah, I mean, I certainly respect a player wanting to take the narrative into his own hands and, and to reveal his own injury diagnosis. But when your own team doesn't agree necessarily with that diagnosis and then you have players in the locker room coming out and saying that they think that you should be on the field, it's a tough situation, and it's one of those things where you can't really blame anybody. You understand the precarious nature of uh, the way that Lamar Jackson plays and the fact that he's due for a life-changing uh, contract, and so you have to respect that. But at the same time, boy, is that a tough sell for the other 51 guys in the locker room who you know, kind of busted their humps all season to get here. Connor, Monday night, if Chalk holds in the NFC, this will be the matchup we're all watching to see who comes through to Philadelphia. Dallas on the road, a small favorite over Tampa. Uh, I mean, this is a TV you know, executive's dream, right? It's the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, and then it's Tom Brady on the other side. 
I kind of like the Bucks at home. Uh, am I crazy on this? What do you think? I know they're eight and nine this year, but the Cowboys just just leaking so much oil right now. It feels like. I picked the Buccaneers, but for a very specific reason. I made fun of Tom Brady so badly for going to Tampa Bay, and then I was in there like post Super Bowl video of all the haters making fun of them for not believing in him. So I've I've made it a rule of thumb to just never pick against him in a game ever again. And so that's just sort of and this might be the last one, so maybe I don't have to worry about it anymore. But I I, I picked the Buccaneers that said I don't know how you account for all the talent that Dallas has in Tampa's got to play a perfect game, right? You're going to have to run the ball for five, six yards a carry. We've seen them do it a couple of times, but I don't know if this offensive line is going to be able to hold up. Great stuff. Connor, appreciate you hopping on. Enjoy uh, what should be a really fun weekend, and we'll be reading over at Sports Illustrated. Thank you, Connor. Thank you so much. There he goes. Connor Orr, Sports Illustrated there. So he didn't seem like the Eagles – he doesn't think the Eagles – this first game will be the issue. It seems that was the way he framed it, that he thinks beyond this first game, uh, if Hurts isn't himself, that will be the issue. And I, I, I mean, I could see that. The one thing I brought up earlier is, you know, he, he's, had two, he's had two significant injuries in the last two years, and neither time did he come out of the game. In fact, I don't even think he went to the medical tent in either of the games. So, he, I mean, he obviously just bites his lip and plays through when he's in pain. It's afterwards that it can't be ignored. The adrenaline wears off. I... The Eagles have this kind of interesting schedule lining up right now, right? He got hurt, take two weeks off, he came back. Okay, bye week, come back. And then if they do get to the Super Bowl, there's a bye week. The sandwich game that might be the most difficult for him physically with this with this injury he's dealing with might be the NFC Championship game. It's the one spot. I mean, think about it. how many games is he going to play from the injury through the Super Bowl? How many? Four, right? Cowboys? I mean, not Cowboys. Um, Giants to end the season. Whoever they play next week, NFC title game, Super Bowl. The only one where there's no time off in between would be the NFC title game. That feels like it might be the trickiest one for them to navigate. And it just so happens might be against the best defense they'll see. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of parse it out like that. It is by far the most difficult matchup. And if you are playing San Francisco, that's a defense that if you do become one-dimensional, they'll eat you alive. Yeah, well, that's the kind of game their defense would have to match them, right? They'd have to take the ball away from Purdy and... They have to win an ugly game if he's if he's not feeling well, right? Maybe he's feeling better than we think, and and they get through all this. Two one five five nine two ninety four nine four. We'll hit the All Pro team in a second here. First though, Mark in Woodbury Heights. Hey, Mark. Joe, how are you doing? Good. How are you tonight? Excellent. What are you thinking? Joe, the NFL playoffs. Yeah, can't they figure out a way? Tampa Bay's what eight and nine. Mm-hmm. And they're hosting a home game because they won the worst division in football. I mean, I mean, seriously, what are you? Like, you like Dallas? You hate Dallas? Whatever. Dallas is what? Uh, Twelve and five. Twelve and five. <laughs> isn't it ridiculous? It is. We, so, so here's my question the- to you. And I, I've thought about this a lot. I they want to they want to keep divisions rewarded for something because otherwise if it's a bad division four fan bases would check out in the middle of the season right because they know they can't make the playoffs and I I kind of understand that you want to keep all these fan bases engaged and they, and that that worked in the NFC South so would you just would you remove the Bucks from the playoffs or would you make them go on the road make them go on the road and and where do, if you're going to keep divisions and you're going to have division winners and they have to be in the playoffs which I think is a joke. Where do they match up with the other eight, um, seven teams? They would be the seventh seed, right? Yeah. So, the, so the the fairest way, and I, I do, th- I still like the idea of a division winner making the playoffs. So I'd keep that. But, okay. but I, I agree with your point that 
okay, you you get to get in, right? You you get a ticket to the dance, but then we seed it by record. So yeah, you're the seven seed, Tampa Bay. Yeah, serious. It is so stupid that a team, and they're not good. They are not good, Tampa Bay, and and I I don't do not think they're going to beat Dallas. They're not they're not good, and they play the. You're the last seed. You're the last seed. I don't know anybody. I think Jacksonville was nine and eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's not fair to these teams that are winning 12, 13 games. You got to go on the road and play these chumps who stink. It's just stupid. It, 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 and the NFL, who you know can figure everything out, do this, do that. They can't reconfigure. Doesn't the NBA go by record when they seed? I believe they do. Yeah, the the NBA is weird. It's almost like I forget divisions even exist, Mark. Like I know the Sixers are in the Atlantic Division, but I forget about it because it doesn't matter. I I just think it, it's just a it just looks so ridiculous that you have a team seven and nine hosting a fourth seed in the playoffs. It could work out for the Eagles where they upset Dallas and and they're the lowest seed remaining and they come here because I think they're I think the Buccaneers. Think. Well, it could work. Uh, out. I mean, it's kind of like um, the the Marshawn Lynch run, right? That team was seven and nine. That Seattle team, and they beat the the Drew Brees. I think they were like thirteen wins or twelve wins. That that, yeah, that they team. beat the Saints. They yep. beat the Saints, and they got clobbered in yep. the next round. But it's it's just it's just ridiculous. I had to get that off my chest. I mean, regarding the Eagles, I think Dallas wins. I think Minnesota wins, and I, you know, and I think San Francisco is going to win. So Dallas is going to come here in two weeks, and that's what I want. You know, I, I want to play the Cowboys. I don't want to play Tampa Bay. I don't want to play the Giants. I want to play Dallas. I want to play Dallas, who's a 12-win team, who has all these marquee players and their America's team and all that other garbage, and I just want to blow them off the field. That's what I want, and the Eagles absolutely can do that. Um, so that that's my hope that – Dallas wins, and all the other higher-seeded teams win, and Dallas comes here into in um, not this weekend, obviously, but next week. Yeah, we're on the same page. It'd be awesome. And, Mark, I was saying, for as good of a year, great of a year as this has been, th- there's been a lack of sizzle. Like, there hasn't been that many games that we've been amped up for for a whole week, and then the Eagles delivered. It's just been the way the schedule's laid out, and early in the year we didn't really know how good they were when that Minnesota game happened. This would be a whole week of sizzle. Like, this would be awesome would, to, to knock Jerry Jones and McCarthy back to Dallas. And they would. And the Eagles would, would beat the living – you know, would, you know, granted Hurts being healthy, um, the Eagles would beat the daylights out of them in, the, in that round. So And then, and then, the, and then the Eagles – you know, the San Francisco game would be phenomenal. So, you know, that that's my hope. That's why I want Dallas and I want San Francisco. Oh, that'd I be great. Two best teams. Let's do it. Mark, you ready for explicit Best history? Time. Yeah, go ahead. All yeah, right, here absolutely. we go. 2017 run. Here we go, Mark, for Mark and Woodbury Heights. It is second down and two. Brady with White to his right. Brady back again. He steps up his head and falls forward. He fumbled and he fumbles the football and the Eagles have it. It is recovered by Dallas. It is recovered by Brady fumbles and has the ball. They found the turnover. Mark, you know the play. Who picked up the ball? <laughs> Joe, seriously. You can, that is so easy. Barnett picked up the ball, but give all the credit to 
uh, Graham, Graham yep. for, for knocking it out. Great play. And the Eagles defense struggled that night. They struggled, but man, they came up with that play. They that needed huge. one play. It's one that was one of those games where one one of those defenses going to make one play. Mark appreciate it. It turned out to be Brandon Graham. Biggest play. Did Derek Brennan make a play after that in his whole career here? Did he make a play before that in his well, Eagles career? Didn't he have in the game before? Didn't he get his hand on on Keenum? He, a strip sack. I or, think he did force a fumble. Yeah, he at made the, end of the first half there. He made a play in the game before, but I don't think he made a play after that. That's for sure. All right, quickly, I wanted to mention this. All pro teams came out today. We had talked about Hertz uh, being a second team All Pro quarterback. Here were the Eagles All Pros uh, when you look at the first and second team All Pro. Lane Johnson, first team All Pro right tackle. Jason Kelsey, first team All Pro center. Um, was that it for the first team? Two? Yes. Two for the first team. And the Eagles had quite a few second teamers. Jace, uh, excuse me, J- Jalen Hurts, second team all-pro quarterback. A.J. Brown, second team all-pro wide receiver. They had Hassan Reddick, second team all-pro edge rusher. And James Bradbury, second team all-pro quarterback. A couple things stood out. I know one thing stood out to Tucker, but what stood out to me was Obviously, Hurts, you know, getting in there before Burrow and Herbert, which I think if you put the odds on that before the season, imagine if there were odds on which 2020 quarterback would get an all-pro nod first. It would have been Burrow at, like, what, minus 1,000? You know, Herbert at minus 500, uh, and Hurts would have been, like, plus 2,000 or something crazy like that. So that stood out. Bradbury getting it over Slay, I think, is warranted, actually. I think over the full year, Bradbury had a better year than Darius Slay, although early on it was it was more Slay. So those things stood out to me. What was the thing that stood out to you, Tucker? Uh, what stood out to me is Landon Dickerson not being on the list. I, I think Joe Tooney got second team All-Pro, the mm-hmm. left guard from Kansas City. I think that's deserving. I think he's been the best left guard in football, and he should have been first team. And Derek Barnett, or not Derek Barnett, um, Landon Dickerson being left off in favor of Joel Bentonio, who was the first team All-Pro, I just think it's ludicrous. I think Derek Barnett did it again. I think Landon Dickerson, if you look at the numbers, he's number one in run block or run block win rate on ESPN. He's number two in pass block win rate among guards. He's allowed one sack all season, I think 14 pressures total. He's been one of, if not the best guard in football, I would put him top two with Joe Tooney. I don't know why Joel Pintonio got it over both of them, and I think it's a snub. I really do. Like I know he's not a big name like Slay. Or some of the other guys, but him not being on that list, I think, is egregious. Yeah, that one was a little surprising too uh, for me. And the other one, the other thing I thought of is I, I saw the list today. So this was J.C. Kelsey's fifth All-Pro, and if you look up there, he's the eighth center in NFL history to make at least five team All-Pros. The other seven are in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I think we knew this already, but J.C. Kelsey has just continued to pad the Hall of Fame resume. He's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be the first. Uh, the NFL always has this log jam, and there's like 15 guys that got to go down to seven or five. So I don't know how his, his process is going to work. I don't know what year he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. So let's say he retires this year. What would he have to wait till the ballot of 2028? Yeah, that sounds right to me. Something like that, right? So I don't know if he's going to get in right away or we're talking about sometime in the 2030s. But he's going to the Hall of Fame. There will be a contingent of, I don't know, I don't know how many people could go, a thousand more than that, people from this area traveling out to Canton one day, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Are you ready to watch Eagles football without Jason Kelsey? Because I'm not. I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard, almost hard to remember it without it. Like it. It feels weird to say that about a center, but I mean, the guy's missed four games in the last decade. I got to say, and I was at the game this past Sunday, um, the Eagles-Giants game. 
over the past couple of years, I, I I went to one game last year, uh, the Charger game. I didn't go to a 2020 game. I don't even know if I can't remember how many games people were allowed to go to. Um, but so I went to one game last year, one game this year, and then whatever how many I went to in 2019, I went to quite a few. The the most popular here are the three jerseys I saw the most of on Sunday. Can you guess jerseys I saw the most of on Sunday? Hertz, Hertz, Wentz, no, no, Kelsey, and Foles, and Dawkins. Dawkins and Foles are the two that I think people wear just like they're like classics. So I mean, Foles obviously you know he's a a legend, and and Dawkins was an amazing player and a legend. But the two current players, I mean, how many te- how many cities could you go to? How many stadiums do you think you go to where the center's jersey? is a primary jersey you see across the crowd. As I walked through the parking lot and the tailgate after I was on the pregame show, I'm seeing Kelsey jerseys all over the place. I don't know if any other team in the NFL has that. right? There, there have been some popular... I mean, Mike Webster back in the day, unfortunately, he was kind of the face of the post-concussion era in the NFL and what we didn't know and what they didn't know. He was kind of like uh, a cult hero in Pittsburgh. I don't know, maybe... Is it a... Pennsylvania thing? I mean, I guess there's been some popular stuff. Saturday was pretty popular as a player, but like... But like you wouldn't have bought a Jeff Saturday jersey over Peyton Manning or Marvin Harrison no. or Edger and James. No, it's 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 incredible how many Kelsey jerseys are out there, and I, I think we'll see those for a long, long time. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop for. We'll come back. NFL picks. Guess the takes. We'll put together a same-game parlay across FanDuel Sportsbook, and we will give our guesses for next weekend. The games, the times, the teams... Try to guess where the Eagles will be playing next weekend. Coming up next on Sports Radio 94 WIP.